The artist's brain is an independent variable. When brought into the everyday world, their senses find meaning in even the most mundane observations. The reaction must only be told by the artists themselves. I'm Loverboy, and this is an experiment. Today's guest is the man bringing back rock and roll. Hailing from Fort Myers, Florida, now living in Los Angeles, and will soon be making his way to Nashville, Tennessee. He started his career releasing music on SoundCloud, but soon after found the courage to release his first folk album on streaming platforms and found his first bit of success. He then released his pop-inspired project, which truly started his career. But he's always found that his style and his voice lends itself best to live music and, of course, rock and roll. Please welcome today's guest, my buddy, Baby Jake. How are you, man? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Welcome to uh, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for, for coming and, and talking with me today. Well, I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Thank you, sir. So you're from Fort Myers, Florida. Yep. And now you live in L.A., and soon you'll be making a, a change out to Nashville. Yes, I will. And what's the reasoning for going to Nashville? Um, there's a couple reasons. One, the housing market's crazy out here in Los Angeles. Two, COVID's non-existent in Nashville. Three, <laughs> uh, I think alternative music, rock and roll, blues, country, all that stuff is based out there. And that's kind of where my sound is heading. I might even fuck around and do a country record you know you never know so uh yeah i I think that for where my sound's going that's where i need to be what inspired the the rock and roll and and sort of the change going from something that resembled a little bit more of the pop side i think it was just natural i didn't like aim to to do it you know i didn't aim to end up in rock and roll i think it was more so me progressing as an artist and just realizing I always liked rock and roll and my voice always leaned more in the alternative side of things anyways, even on the pop stuff. And so I think it was just a natural progression. And once I got there, I realized, oh, I want to be like, you know, I want, I want to be in this genre and this is what I want to do. And I want to stay here at least for now. I can't sit here and be like, I'm going to do rock for forever, but you know, I want to do a disco record or whatever country record. But right now, where I want to be is rock. And I think that the main thing, when I say rock, I really just mean like there's folk records on this next project mm-hmm. too, you know? I really just mean live instrumentation. Okay. Yeah. I might do a salsa song, you know what I mean? I'm just, I just, I think when I say rock and roll, the first, like, it really just means like live music, yeah. you know, live instruments, live players. And I think that that scene is huge in Nashville. I mean, you got some mm-hmm. of the best players in the world in Nashville. And it's everywhere. Every Everywhere you walk down there, there's, there's a bar with some of the greats playing in there. And yeah. there's just, there's music everywhere. And the city really runs on it. Totally. What gave you Nashville over other other cities like Austin, maybe? I heard that Austin had a big problem with the homeless right now mm-hmm. um, and that it was getting worse. And I know a lot of people moved from L.A. to not, to, to Austin uh, during COVID. Um, so I kind of just was like, I don't know. I don't know about Austin. Plus, my girlfriend is from Dallas. She was like, I don't know if I want to move to Austin. Like, it's good. We'll check it out. We're still going to check it out. Uh, probably this trip when I go back for like Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'm going to spend it in Florida and, and Texas. So I'll probably go and check it out. But we really liked Nashville and I like Nashville. And I think that I, I think Austin has a big like live scene, but I don't necessarily know if there's a huge recording scene there and like a huge like 
base there for alternative music. You know, like Nashville, you got dudes like like I was saying earlier, you know, Jack White and and Kings of Leon records their records there and people are coming in from London to record their records there. It's like there's a lot more of a base for actual live music that's there, not just the 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 live music part, you know? Yeah. Which Austin is popping in the live scene. But they don't have the recording scene. Yeah. I, I think they probably do. I just it's not as big. Yeah. I don't think. Let's bring it back a little. Where uh, where would you say you started with music? How how did how'd you get your your influence? I've done a roller coaster. Uh, <laughs> I started in folk music, so mm. it really just came. I mean, I started under Jake Herring, which is my name, Jacob Herring, mm. but uh, <laughs> abbreviated to Jake. Uh, and folk music, and I dropped an EP, and one of the records did pretty well. I dropped it independently. This was in 2015 or 16. I can't remember. I think 16 and. Uh, I mean, I was making music before then. I just was shy. I was dropping it on like SoundCloud. I've been dropping music on YouTube and SoundCloud since like 2010, 2009, yeah. you know, but everybody's done that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think the official like first start was dropping on all, you know, digital platforms uh, in 2016. And that being that folk EP and me getting a little bit of notoriety, like one of the records did a million plays. And that's kind of where it all started. Mm. Then I just like went into pop and. To be honest, folk music is kind of the music that I felt was a little depressing for me mm. because I wrote it out of a lot of sadness and a lot of like, I, I don't want to be here. I was in college and I didn't want to be in college. I was flunking classes. I was yeah. fucking partying and, you know, doing everything that I could not to be in class and actually paying attention at school. So I think it was like a rebellious, not only a rebellious stage, but like a real sad period of my life. And I connected the music to that feeling and that's why i wanted to get into like pop and electronic and dance hall like i was really i've always been into like dance hall like i'm really into rhythm you know so so for me i kind of just wanted to to get into those things i think because of that and maybe a little bit less because of what i actually feel i would have been best at you know yeah. or what's most true to me and who were some of your influences growing up when you were starting music? Was it more in the dance hall electronic side or is it more on the, the rock folky side? I mean, it was everywhere, really. It really was. I mean, my mom's from Lithuania, so I'm 50% Lithuanian. I speak it. My cousins, my whole mom's side. My mom is the only one in the United States from that oh, wow. side of my family. All the rest of them are in, in, in Europe. And they've scattered from Lithuania, you know, UK and other places. But... uh they listen to like my mom grew up on 80s music you know what i mean so it's like a lot of like 80s like toto and phil yeah. collins and like people like that you know and and so i grew up on that and then my dad is is a lot older my mom's i don't even i'm sorry mom uh 53 <laughs> 54 no no she's like 52 uh and my dad's turning 70 Oh, wow. Okay. So, like, my dad's a lot older, you know? Yeah. And my dad grew up on the 60s, like, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you know, in the early 70s rock and stuff. So I was really, um, I was definitely, like, put on to both of those music genres very early. And then you're rebellious. You're a kid. So all you want to do is listen to, like, hip-hop and pop and, like, you know. The opposite of what the they're showing you. The opposite of what your parents are showing you. So, yeah, I was influenced by a lot of that. And growing up in Florida, like, southwest Florida, on 15 minutes, 20 minutes from the water, even though it's dirty water, you know what I mean, <laughs> Gulf of Mexico water, uh, like, we listen to a lot of reggae. 
So like that's where I got the rhythm from, you know. And then I got into in dance, dance hall. And stuff. Yeah. But I, I was really influenced by it all. I mean, young. I remember like waking up in the morning and listening to "Good Morning" by Kanye West and like tying my shoes, you know, and being like, "Wow, this is this, he. This is the shit," you know. And now I'm like, man, I can't stand. Like, not that I can't stand it, but I don't like modern pop music or hip hop. Yeah, your taste anymore. changes. Yeah, it's crazy, you know. So I think I was influenced by by everything. In does any of it have an influence on what you're playing live? Yeah. Um, yeah, that that has a huge part to do with it. I mean, what what really, what happened was I listened to all this pop music and hip-hop music I was making, you know, urban pop music, whatever you want to call yeah. it, and I listened to it and I was like, and once we did rehearsals for the her- first rehearsals ever, when it was literally just like cigarettes on patios, Two three nine and like blue cellophane. Yeah, I didn't have any other records out. Like I had three records. This was a while ago, like three years ago, and two maybe two and a half years ago. And I remember listening to the rehearsals, and this was pre-COVID, and we were about to go on a big run and stuff. You know, right after right after I released that next EP, um, and I was like, man, I don't know. These more urban and more pop-sounding tracks don't sound as good live. Mm. So once I figured out that you know my pop tracks and urban tracks didn't sound as good live i was like hold on a second like nobody my my feeling is if you have a live drum kit you should not be triggering a hi-hat period you know what i mean like shout out harry allen like my my old drummer harry is the one who is who is who always lives by that you know so like and i agree with him i'm like i don't get the whole like mixture of it i think if you're gonna do one do it if you're gonna do the other do it and for me it was I want to do live instruments, and in order to do that, you got to make music with live instruments. Otherwise, you're just cheating. You know what I mean? It's it's it doesn't sound the same. I feel like you know it's coming from the correct place when you have the kind of success that you found with a song like Cigarettes on Patios, and still feel compelled to go towards the art, to go towards the thing that feels the most, uh, the most productive and persuasive and seductive to you at that moment. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you're always growing, you're changing, your taste is developing, your 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 humanity as a person is developing. Yeah. Your relationships, your life, you know, your career, your health. You could be getting fatter, you could be getting skinnier, you could be getting in great shape, you could be getting in shitty shape, you know? So I think if you would ask me like right now, I'm like, man, Cigarettes on Pat is my least favorite song. And I remember getting to the point where I was where I was lying to myself because the label wanted to push it and everybody wanted to push it. And I was lying to myself and saying, you know, now, you know, I'm gonna start saying this is my favorite song. It's not, it's my least favorite song. But if you would have asked me when I made it, I would have said it was my favorite song. You know what I mean? So Well maybe people make those songs too that have become your least favorite in order to push you to the correct direction. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get caught up in in the stage of like, oh, I made this song and it did really well. So let me stay here. Yeah. And like you're saying, like I, I wasn't afraid to just be like, no, like let me try other things, you know? And if it doesn't work out with with my label or with my management or whatever, you know, like life goes on, man. Like really, you know, they said I think Lady Gaga got dropped like three times. Yeah. Everybody. Before, like you know it's what like I mean? It's like a prereq. Yeah. So to me, 
I mean, it's it's crazy, dude. I've talked about these stories with like Linda Perry. Mm -hmm. She's a good friend of mine, and like some of her stories are crazy about you know the label and management and stuff like that. You know, it's just like you got to really stick to what 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 you think is best for you, because she did that, and like now she's one of the biggest you know hall hall of fame fucking songwriter producer, mm -hmm. and like. If you would have asked her probably when she was making the music in the in, in the beginning, she probably wanted to be an artist. You know what I mean? So it's like, just depends. At what point did you realize that all of this was was capable of, of being done? At what point did you did you really say to yourself, I don't give a fuck what happens. I don't care what it takes. I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna make this work. In the sense of music. In the sense of becoming of just an artist, becoming an artist, like yeah. just being in the music industry, really going for it, yeah. Um, I think, man, it's 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 hard to say. I I, I liked, I'd like to sit here and say like I don't really think that I had doubts. I think in 2016, 2015, 2016, when I realized I didn't want to do school. I didn't want to go and be. Uh, I was in marketing. I was studying marketing. I'm like, I don't want to. Like, I don't, I'm not interested in any of this. And I think once I figured that out, uh, I, I don't think I had any doubts. I was just like, this, I got to make this happen, yeah. you know, because my mom's already sitting over here like, you know, I didn't even tell my parents I dropped out for the first year I dropped out of, out of school. Wow. And my dad had like Florida, you know, I don't think it was Bright Futures, but my dad had a, had a, had a account that he was like putting money in since I was little. And it was growing. And so, I, like, the first two years of school, I paid off. And, like, I only did a year, and then I dropped out. And I didn't even tell him for, like, six months, seven months. And my dad finally was like, you're not in school, are you? And I'm like, wow. no, I'm, I'm not in school anymore. He wasn't even too mad about it. He's like, I understand. He's like, I know what you want to do. So make it happen, you know? And my dad is... And my mom too. My mom, my mom was just a little tougher because, you know, she's an immigrant. And she came to the United States. And she was like, you know, this is this is why I came here for you to get an education yeah. and for you to, you know, have a, a, a career that's steady and, and, you know, very supporting of your life. And I understand that. And at the time I was, you know, young and ignorant, maybe didn't understand as much, maybe, you know, said some oh. cruel shit to my mom and I mean, might've had some, being a kid too. some fighting matches with her, but yeah. yeah, you know, part of growing up. But I think my dad, because he was, you know, he had a tough life early on and he, he was a self-made entrepreneur and didn't end up getting his degree, his bachelor's degree, until later on, uh, in his late 20s, early 30s, I think he understood more like, you know, okay, if you're going to do it, then fucking do it. Yeah. You know, and so because of that, I'm not going to say I didn't have no, I, I know I said I didn't have any doubts. I probably had doubts in my mind at the time, but there was no, I only had plan A. I did, there was no other plan for me. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, maybe if it just doesn't work out, I got to be a writer or, you know, I'll do this or I'll work at 7-Eleven, you know? Yeah. For me, it was like, you got to do it. And if you if you don't do it, like, I'm just going to be depressed, you know, and like working at a, at a gas station or whatever, you know, and, and that I just got to make it happen. So I, I made it happen. I think that's where my mindset was. And I'm sure if you talk to your parents now, whatever, six years later, they probably have a very a very confident perspective on where you're at. Totally. And my mom will say that none of this ever happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. My dad too. Like there's certain shit that I'll say that, that none of it ever happened. And you know, the thing that I didn't realize, I think like two years ago, I used to say in interviews all the time, like me and my mom had a difficult relationship for a while. And I used to say all the time in interviews and stuff, I was like, yeah, my mom wasn't, wasn't really for it. 
and it wasn't that. It wasn't that my mom wasn't for it. My mom just had was was reserved about it because she's like, man, there is a chance that this doesn't happen. You know, yeah. like I talk with you know Danny Scheiman. I talk Absolutely. with Danny Scheiman, who's if anybody on here doesn't know him, he's the producer of my last album and pretty much my partner in all my production. He'll be on this season as well. Yeah, uh, Danny. You know, he always tells me because I'm always like, no, nah, it's gonna happen. He's like, Jake, you can't say that. You know, and I'm like, well, I can. You know, he's like, even if it's 97%, you can't say it's going to happen. And I think my mom kind of felt like that. So when I was younger, I didn't understand, like, oh, my mom for, you know, three, for at least six months of that time was at least letting me stay at her house and like simple things that other yeah. people don't have, you know. So I, both my parents were supportive, I think, and that helped. It's a interesting thing. I've talked to a couple people on the podcast and, and a few people whose, whose episodes will come out in the future who came from, from backgrounds outside of the U.S. and who were first generation or second generation. And there's a really tough gap in trying to get somebody who only understands I shouldn't say that. Somebody who came over here with nothing to try to make a better life and, and try to get them to understand that the massive bet you're taking on yourself is Yeah, you want to throw it, it away. Yeah. <laughs> That's essentially what you're saying, you know? It, it is. It's like, and a lot of people would say that's selfish. I know people who would never do that. Hmm. You know, like I know people in this industry who made it, but they made it very conservatively. And they did it very slow and they did it while working another job or they did whatever. I dropped everything. I was like, man, I got to do this, yeah. you know, and, and thankfully, like, yeah, me and my mom had some tussles and I was living at, you know, my boy Luyo's studio for a while for, you know, a couple months. And, you know, I remember one funny time my mom came over to his house to have dinner. Oh, and wow. I'm like, whoa, this is weird. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is like crazy. And he's like, he's, he's older. He has a family and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that essentially you are saying like, I, you know, I, I got this opportunity. I'm born in the United States. And just being born in the United States, you're given so many opportunities. It's a blessing. I mean, dude, we can go like, it's crazy. It's money, yeah. money and opportunities are handed out in the United States like no other yeah. planet. You know what I mean? And so it is essentially kind of throwing it away and saying, I want to do it yeah. myself. And in a completely different world that you don't understand. You know, because my mom will like played violin and like, you know, did stuff growing up. But so she was musical. She was musical. She was definitely musical. She sang in choir. She played violin for like, I think, nine years. Like, she's very musical. But she also understood the the part of doing the day job as well. And she, doing... did, she didn't understand. Yeah, she understood everything about working really hard at something that she understands. Yeah. She didn't understand like music. She's like, what do you mean? You know, like. Hmm. Music is not like, you know, now we have, what, 60,000, I think New York Times came out, 60,000 records a day coming out. Oh, my gosh. Right? Like, a lot. You, anybody can put out music now. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, as long as you know. All you got to do is research. You got to go on Google. You know, our kids won't even have to go on Google. No. Just ping, boom, in the brain. <laughs> it's going to be there. I mean? And so, you know, I don't think when my mom grew up, it was like that. I think they probably had, like, five singers in Lithuania that were, like, you know, big singers and that's like oh you don't touch them they were born into it or you know they had a, they had got lucky in the beginning yeah. or whatever you know it wasn't somebody. like it, it it's it's a different industry now i think people don't realize that now we're in a world where you can meet a million people throughout your life who all have made careers out of music and never once have heard of any of them yep and that can keep happening every single day for the rest of our lives and it's only getting bigger 
which also means that there's there's no more competition. And I think that's a big part of people forget that if you need this, it's because you need it. It's not because you need to kick anybody else's ass or kick anybody else out of the water or take their space. There's enough room for everybody to to do what you did and drop it all and know that, hey, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to fucking do it. And I'm not going to stop until I'm there. And, and clearly it's it's become something that that now you can make a living and a life out of and and get to show your family, hey, I can make your lives better now because of because of what I did because I worked my fucking ass off and I'm doing something from the heart and that comes with changing music when you feel like it's time and that comes with growing with the times and you're uh, you're really showing a lot of people who need that extra kick to get up go go do it guys it was 5 6 years ago that you put out those first songs seriously 6 years ago and now you're you're you you have a living you have a life that's all you can ask for, man. A living. That's you know it. what I mean? Yeah. And people like get obsessed with the, you know, money and things and all this stuff. But like, I mean, you really realize, you know, I've had a lot. Like I've had at 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 21 years old, man, I was might have been 20. I made like half a million dollars. You know what I mean? What like I had a ton of money. And I can tell you, sitting here with not half a million dollars, <laughs> that it's it's really you're 100 percent correct. That it's about if you if it if your soul is telling you you got to do it, you got to do it. You know what I mean? And that's just what you're meant to do. And thankfully, we live in this more digital era now where anybody can put out music. There's kids. There's this, there's this. I forgot his name, but there's this artist going around, you know, in a van, yeah. like, like throughout the West Coast of the United States. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Goth babe. Yeah, I think that Goth babe. I've been trying to get him on. He's Dude. he's doing exactly what you're doing on a. Uh, just a different style of music. It's crazy, and like he's making, you know, he's making a living. He's doing his Beautiful thing, and he's it, and sure. he's producing. Yeah. I heard, I heard the kid doesn't even have a pair of monitors. Oh no, he does everything he, in his headphones. Everything in headphones. He sits. He has a truck with the back of it has like, like van, a camper right? bed. Yeah. yeah. And and what a fucking beautiful way to live. He it's gets amazing. to wake up in the mountains and make music. Yeah. People, get off your ass if you want this. Go fucking take it. It's yours, Jake. Thank you so much for being Thanks on for here, having man. Me. This is such a pleasure. And to everybody listening, I'm Baby Jake, and this is an experiment. Woo! See you later, fuckers. Go out and get it. The experience is the experiment. <laughs>